0: to be thought of uh, to uh, be a preacher in the service. But it soon became evident that Hank physically was not able to be here and could not have uh, fulfilled that responsibility. And uh, so Andy asked me one day, he said, I know you have lunch with Bishop Lee uh, every month, and uh, today is the day I want you to ask him if he would consider preaching for our anniversary service which I did, but Clay had an, uh, another commitment, and he asked me, by the way, to tell this congregation how much he appreciated not only his time here in an interim pastorate, but the continuing friendships that uh, he shares with members of this congregation, and that he is sorry that he was not able to be here for this. And I, I did something I've never done in my life, I asked the pastor if I could preach uh, in this service, and he so graciously said yes after he checked it out with some other folks. <laughs> I say that, like that? <laughs> I say that because I want you to to blame me uh, and not him about the service today, about the sermon today uh, him having a an old, retired, long-winded preacher uh, preaching the pulpit. Uh, this congregation has meant a great deal to me and to Roseanne. When the bishop uh, took me from the pastorate and appointed me to the conference staff as editor of the advocate and new service director for the United Methodist in Mississippi in 1983, we wound up uh, making... Uh, Wesley Church, our home church, and then we continued on over here uh, with the establishment of uh, St. Matthew's. so that for 34 years, this congregation, symbolized by Wesley's life and St. Matthew's life, has been a very important part of of my life, and I wanted this opportunity to share with you. So, if I... If I get wound up and I don't meet my quitting time of 1230, uh, (laughs) then you can blame Andy. (laughs) The Old Testament lesson for today is in Nehemiah chapter 8. And reading verses 1 through 10 with a preface from uh, the end of uh, chapter 7. When the seventh month came and the people of Israel were settled in their towns, all the people gathered together in the area in front of the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the instruction scroll from Moses according to which the Lord had instructed Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the instruction before the assembly. This assembly was made up of both men and women and anyone who could understand what they heard. Facing the area in front of the water gate, he read it aloud from early morning until the middle of the day. He read it in the presence of the men, and the women, and those who could understand. And everyone listened attentively to the instruction scroll. Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that had been made for this purpose. And standing beside him were, and there's a list of uh, a, a bunch of names of leaders of the tribes who stood with him, standing above all of the people, Ezra the scribe opened the scroll in the sight of all the people. And as he opened it, all of the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all of the people answered, Amen! Amen! While raising their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites... And again, a list of names. Helped the people to understand the instruction while the people remained in their places. They read aloud from the scroll the instruction from God, explaining and interpreting it so the people could understand what they'd heard. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. They said this because all of the people wept when they heard the words of the instruction. Go, eat rich food and drink something sweet, he said to them, and send portions of this to any who have nothing ready. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't be sad because the joy from the Lord is your strength. May the Lord give us understanding to this reading from his holy word. Let us pray. Almighty God, from whom every good prayer cometh, and who fills our minds and our hearts with your truth, open our minds to understand what you would say to us today. Open our hearts to believe. Open our lives to live in faith and commitment. In Christ's name, amen. Well, during the past nearly 62 years, since I received my first appointment as a pastor in the Methodist Church, I've experienced a wide variety of worship services. And I see Joey smiling, and I'm sure Andy is behind me here, and Skipper out there. Uh, we've and, and do I see Carl back there?: Yeah. I have experienced such a wide variety of worship services. But one of the most unusual ones was a few years ago when I was to preach at the John Wesley Methodist Church in La Jolla, Mexico. First of all, it was the setting. There was, not a, there was not a cathedral there. Not a beautiful sanctuary like this. Not even a nice little chapel. There was a slab and a roof. And that was to be the setting for the worship service. And then the style of the service was different from uh, what I had experienced before there. My son, Jim, went with me uh, on this trip to Mexico. I was We were not with a team. I went down to travel around with the Bishop of Mexico conference to try to find some new mission sites. And uh, those of you who know Jim, know that his preference for worship is liturgical service and that his unpreference for music is praise music. And so I told him as uh, we were getting ready for that Sunday service, I said, you'll discover that the order of service here at at John Wesley Church in La Jolla, Mexico, is as traditional as anything you've experienced back home, and perhaps more so than some other places. And just before the time for the service to start, a pickup truck drove down beside the slab and the roof, And it was loaded with young Mexican men, and they had guitars and drums and all that sort of stuff. And I said to the pastor, what's going on here? And he said, well, a church in Texas gave us these instruments, and so we have a praise band, and they're going to lead part of the service, which they did for 30 solid minutes, uh, had a, a praise service before they turned it over to me to preach. And the other was a special visitor. As people were gathering for the worship service, there was a, a Mexican man uh, out across the pathway from, from the slab and the roof, and he had a great big machete. And he was cutting weeds along the pathway, and he was so drunk he could hardly stand up straight. When the service started, he came to church. And he seated himself up there between me and the pastor. (laughs) And when they started the praise service and we all stood, he stood up between the pastor and me and he took that big machete which he had with him in the church service and he played air guitar (laughs) with his machete uh, during the service. And Jim is sitting out in the congregation, and he told me later, he said, Daddy, I felt that any moment that man was going to turn and cut your head off with that big machete, Jim didn't know that I had gone down right before the service and invited that man to church. Unusual. But it was a real worship experience. They'd gather to praise God. They heard God's Word read. They heard God's Word proclaimed. They shared the fellowship of believers. They made fresh commitments of their lives. We worshiped. In Genesis chapter 28, which is uh, the passage, one of the passages for our Bible reading series that the pastor has set up for us for daily Bible reading throughout this year, is another worship service which was surely non-traditional. Jacob had lied to his father. He had uh, cheated his brother. And out of lying and cheating, he had taken the family blessing and the family birthright And his brother Esau had threatened to kill him. And so Jacob, with his mother's uh, help, decided it was uh, a thing to do to, to go off to another land to live for a while with his uncle. And so he heads out and he's in a desert place. And he stops for the night and he takes a stone that was in that place and he uses it for a pillow. And as he sleeps... He has a vision. And in that vision, there was a a ladder or a stairway, a connection between earth and heaven. Have you ever sung, we are climbing Jacob's ladder? That's, That's what he visualized. And the angels of God were moving back and forth. And then God was standing beside him. And he heard God say to him who had lied and cheated and was fleeing for his life. He heard God say to him that he was renewing the covenant which God had made with Abraham and with Isaac. And that he would bless him in his way. And give all the land on which he uh, lay for the night to him. And he would return him to his family. Jacob, when he was awake, he took that stone which he had used for a pillow and he set it up for a pillar. And he made it a place of worship. He made it an altar. He said, surely God was in this place and I did not know it. And because God has renewed this covenant, because God has forgiven me, God has promised blessing for me, he will be my God. And wherever I go, I will worship him. And he sealed his new commitment by making a vow to tithe. A tenth of all I make, I will give to him. Jacob worshipped. In the 8th chapter of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, God's people were in exile. The holy city had been virtually destroyed. The temple had been desecrated. And now comes a time when they were able to start over. They were able to return home, be restored, not only to their daily lives, but to temple worship. And they've begun to rebuild their homes, and they are living in their own homes again. And so they make plans for the renewal of life and the renewal of their covenant with God. They gathered to praise God for the gift of being able to return and to have new and fresh starts in their lives and their faith. Let's imagine that we are there and we can see and hear what happens. They gathered not in the courts of the temple, not in the beautiful worship courts of the temple, but in in an open spot outside the water gate some commentators say that's because men and women and children and youth who were old enough to understand everybody was there and were allowed to be a part of that worship service and Ezra the priest steps up on a platform that had been built for this occasion he's surrounded by the leaders of all the tribes and he began to open a scroll the book of God's law to read to the people a hush comes over the assembly and then all the people stand and they lift their hands while Ezra praises God for God's goodness and graciousness and restoration and while Ezra reads the words of God from the scroll many start to cry commentators say well maybe they were crying over guilt of their sins and their apostasy toward God others say no they're crying out of joy because they have sensed again the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the restoration of God I come from a home church in Meridian where we had frequent altar calls. And when people came down, there was a lot of crying, crying of joy, returning to the Lord, making fresh commitments to God. So while Ezra read, others moved among the people and helped them to understand. And they stand there listening to the Word of God Read and proclaimed from early morning till noon. Now, Skipper, Joy, and Carl andy, somebody else that I might be overlooking, have you ever served a church where you felt like you could preach from early morning till noontime without everybody slipping out the back door? <laughs> I haven't. And then they bowed down with their faces in the ground and they worshiped God. And brothers and sisters, they worshiped. Ezra pointed out that this whole experience was not about the past, the past ought to be celebrated. But it's not primarily about the past. But it's about a present which leads to the future. Ezra said, don't mourn over the past. Rejoice. Be happy. Sharing joyous fellowship with one another. Sharing what you have with others so they can join in that joyous Fellowship, making fresh commitments to follow the instructions of God. Celebrate, be happy, be joyous. And then he said something that that verse seemed out of place in this story when I first read it. He said, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Ezra was letting them know that praising God feeding themselves on the word of God examining their relationship with God asking God's forgiveness making fresh commitments of their lives reaching out to share fellowship and ministry and service with other people that is joy And it is that joy in the Lord that gives you the strength to live your life the way God wants it to be lived. To face the problems you may face in life. And it provides the strength to renew the temple worship and the worship of the people to Almighty God. We've come together here today to celebrate. We celebrate our history, which grew out of the roots of faith and faithfulness of Wesley Church. We celebrate all who have labored and sacrificed and served throughout the three decades of this church's past. We celebrate the gift from God of this church building, this beautiful place, this resource for worship and study and planning and fellowship and we celebrate the many services and ministries of this church that we remembered in the liturgy at the in the litany at the beginning of this service but in the midst of our celebration today we are called to commit our lives to continuing to read and study god's word and to gather to praise god And to join in Christian education and and try to understand God's word and God's will for us. To experience the fellowship of the body. To reach out to others with the gospel. And to reach out to others who are hurting and needy with help and love. We can't do this in our own strength. What is the source of our strength? It is our remembering the goodness and the grace of God. Our strength to go serve God through the church is that which makes possible which the future should hold for us. In about another 30 years from now, Some of you will probably gather here again. Some of us will be long gone. But some of us will gather in another 30 years perhaps to celebrate what God has done here, what God is doing here now, and what God will yet do through this church. This day, this day of celebration is a time for us to say, fill my life with joy, God, from trusting your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And strengthened by that joy through the Holy Spirit, I commit my life to you, to ministry and service and worship the joy of the lord is your strength and in that strength this church moves on to god's future amen my first experience at saint matthew's was gosh in the 2000 around 2006 2007 i was sitting kind of behind where frank is right now it was the an annual conference, was meeting at Christ Methodist, and they had different clergy meetings across the Jackson area. We came here for a clergy session, and I remember sitting in the pews, thinking, boy, what a, what a beautiful sanctuary. What, 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 a, what a beautiful sanctuary. And I thought, oh, wow. And, and so here I am a few years later um, serving as, as one of your pastors, and I realized what makes this church beautiful is not the sanctuary. It's a beautiful thing Lovely.